good. Yeah? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should start with, I mean, how are we going to live up to your city lights thing? That's we should start question. with, like, throwing punches or something. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking about the way that I came to this book and, and how apt it is for, for the book itself, which is that... Um, I um, I am also an, um, a contributing editor to a really wonderful magazine called The Schofield, um, and who's I'm looking at the principles of The Schofield right now. It's a magazine you should all be also looking at. Um, but um, I was uh, contributing or helping them recruit. There's a there's a feature in the in the Schofield called On Our Nightstand, in which different writers just talk about what they're writing. And so um, I asked Jonathan Lethem uh, what he was reading, and he sent me a he sent me a an email about um, Michelle Welbeck and about your book about about I hate the internet and he you know he of of I hate the internet he said you know um, you know this book feels like an American Welbeck I feel like I should be reading it I'm wearing fireproof proof gloves and I thought holy shit I've never even heard of this book but hey I, I hate the internet too <laughs> um, and I and I so I I just wrote to him and I said um, um, you, how do I do you have a how, how am I going to get a copy of this book? And, and did I write to you first? And did you send me one? Or I think he, I think he sent you one. He sent me one. And then one, you, right. you wrote to me very right. and, shortly and, and I, thereafter. I did. I, 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 he sent. He, Jonathan sent me a, a PDF, and I, I read about um, twenty pages of it, and I thought, uh, holy shit! <laughs> uh, and in in the most wonderful way, I, I, I felt that the you know um, the book was kind of um, insurrectionary, but not posturingly so you know I, I what I what I felt was I was trying to remember um, uh, is it someone I, I don't remember the origin of the quote um, to to uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Right. It's, it's, yeah. It was like some muckraker journalist. Yeah, right, it's, who about said it. it's about journalism. It's about journalism. But you know, I thought you know this really is a book that 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 you know kind of says things that that aren't generally being said um, either about or within the world of 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 contemporary fiction, um, which is you know as as partially rotten as every other part of the world um, and and you know and at the same time you know I, so I found it very consoling and and it's and and, and yet you know it's it's also of course uh, um, I don't know it's you know it's it's not purely a scabrous book but it's certainly a book that that takes on a lot right you know? my first thought was um, this book is sort of full of things that you hate and that, that, that we all hate um, uh, but but that it is not really a, a vitrolic book exactly um i don't know if i don't know if everyone would agree with that yeah. i think some of the response has been that it's a really nasty sort of unpleasant book which i which i'm fine with <laughs> yeah. the, the way that <clears throat> excuse me yeah. the, the way that um I got the book to Lethem. The way that I know Lethem is that I met him in a bathroom. Uh -huh. how, how ideal. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, uh, at, actually, at uh, the Philip K. Dick thing at SF State a couple of years ago. And I just sort of started talking to him. He'd just done this piece uh -huh. about uh, Norman Mailer. And uh -huh. I started talking to him about Mailer. And then... Um, at some point, it became clear that I should try to beg him to write something <laughs> about the book. Because, I mean, the way that this stuff works is whoever, you know, if you can get someone who's fairly prominent, and he's really prominent, to say something decent about the book, it'll really go But he, does, but he doesn't really 
do that. I mean, he's actually no. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't do. Blurbs. He doesn't do blurbs. He doesn't right. do blurbs. But I, I begged him. <laughs> I, I begged, and he was like, he 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 was like. Um, you know, I'll do this review because I have to do this thing about Welbeck <laughs> anyway. And I did not know that. So I, mm. I think, you know, it was very nice of him. Very, very nice. And I think everything that has emerged since really comes out of his willingness to do that. Uh, and so, I don't know. I mean, I feel very lucky that he right. did. Because lots of people have probably talked about Norman Mailer in bathrooms before, right. usually it doesn't amount I, I to would, I, I would also yeah. imagine that it, I, for Lethem, almost every bathroom he goes into, there's someone ready to talk about Mailer with him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really talk about Mailer anywhere else these days. Right. You know? right. And he's a big Mailer advocate. Um, uh, well, be that as it may, uh, you know, one of the things that um, is kind of intriguing about this novel is that at the very beginning you you say or 20 odd pages into it you you pronounce that 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 this is a bad novel right and um and you know it it struck me that you know the level on which that's true is that if you are looking for um the sort of ordinary it, it, it may be a bad novel but it is an excellent book I, you know, I, the emphasis would be on, on novel and I, I tend and, to think of it as more like a performance right actually right. Um, but it is it's a bad novel there's no plot the characterizations are fairly shallow <laughs> no one really learns anything um, but the 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 idea had had been that had well I'm very irritable, and particularly mm-hmm. particularly when I was writing that, I was at the heights of my irritability, uh-huh. and there is a certain argument to be made about what the typical literary novel is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, let's, let's, let's get to that, because sure. I feel like that's really central to... There are certain things that you point out in this book about, about the contemporary literary novel that, that, that are true, that I know to be true, and that, you know, that, that aren't exactly secret, but that no one ever acknowledges. Right. Namely, that the CIA had a lot to do with the novel as we, as the, yeah, the American novel there, as we know there, it. There is an argument to be made, and I think it's an accurate one, that literary fiction in sort of the consolidated form that we have it now is statist fiction, and that part of how it became that way is that the CIA in the 60s, and, and I'm not one of these people who thinks the CIA did everything. Right. I'm, I'm really not, but right. this is actually this true. Is, this, this is this, not a tinfoil hat yeah, No, I, I, feel, I feel like, yeah. it, you know, when I put it in the book, it was fine, but then I've had to talk about it subsequently. <laughs> and, and every time I start talking about it, I feel like I'm about two minutes away from, from people just thinking I'm completely crazy. <laughs> and I'm not quite there yet. But the CIA, the CIA did have, the, did do a lot of cultural funding, um, as part of Operation Mockingbird, as part of other things. And one of the things that is really true is that if you look at a lot of the institutions which would come to dominate what is typically considered literary fiction or set, meaning the the Paris Review, the Paris the, Review, the Iowa Writers yeah, Workshop, the, the Writers right. Workshop. Right. Um, I mean, they engineered. A Nobel Prize for for Pasternak. That, right. Like the the you can look at their website. They have PDF after PDF after PDF of what they were doing to try to get this novel, the Nobel Prize. And right. I mean, so the thing that's really weird is a lot of these institutions, which then determined what good writing is and what the, a good novel is, 
a lot of those people were funded by the CIA. And right. when you think about where what a good novel is in this moment and what a good novel has been for the last couple of decades, it tends to be it tends to function beyond whatever else it functions as it tends to function as a propaganda for a certain upper middle class lifestyle and I think that was actually what they were doing when they were funding this stuff they were really interested like with with Iowa when they were funding it the idea was that they would have foreign writers come in and they would be overwhelmed with the awesomeness of sort of being an upper middle class American and that then they would go home and and write books in this style like they would like they would go you know like you'd have a chinese writer come in and then he'd go and he'd write the chinese equivalent of revolutionary road you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did that work? i was going to say did that work i uh, have absolutely no idea yeah, 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 but yeah. i do i do think one of the things that happens when you take money from organizations like that is that you start the mission there's mission creep and things start refocusing themselves around the money and around the the ideology that the money supports and you can really whether or not it's true you can really look that that the cia had this much influence you can really look at a lot of literary fiction that gets published and read it as statist literature but the weird thing is it's for a state that no longer exists right uh-huh. it's for a state of, at the height of the Cold War, and then we just we just keep getting more and more of these books. Well, yeah, but do do we? I mean, you know, I'm just a big because I, you know, I, when I now, now you're, yeah. now, I, I'm not naming names. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I've been yeah. told many times not to name names. Really? Okay. Yeah, mostly by my girlfriend. But. <laughs> um. Really? You don't want to name? No, I, okay. I, I'm not gonna. I'm okay. not gonna shit on okay. anyone. Okay. But, um, but no, I mean, I think there's a lot of books where it's just you read them, and they have some connection to a very limited sort of lifestyle, a very limited worldview, and they're very bad at encompassing anything that seems like an urgency of the moment. Right. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Like you know, how many how many how many novels are being published by the majors that deal with police brutality? Right, and that's that's the question, right? And it's right. Like, who are the people that are writing them? People that don't have a lot of experience in police brutality, right? And I mean, you know, well, we 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 talked a bit when the, the other day I think about about um, Sister Soldier. Yes. Yeah. 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 And and uh, yeah, I, and that's a good example. That's the best American know, novel of the last twenty years, but no one talks about it right. as literary fiction. That that book has vastly outsold. Yeah, it's outsold everyone. Franzen or yeah, whatever. Everyone yeah. you've ever heard of, it's mm-hmm. it's outsold, and it's a really significant piece of writing. It's got incredibly sophisticated techniques. It's unabashedly literary. Her sexual politics are a little fucked up, but the, but the rest of it is fine. And it's like, you know, no one talks about that in, as a literary novel. It's, it's talked, like it used to be talked about as the progenitor of urban, no, not urban lit, sorry, ghetto lit. And then when ghetto lit actually started to sell a little bit more, it got euphemized as urban lit. Urban lit, right. So. Right. Um, you know, on the topic of, of mission creep, because that, that, that actually seems to, in a certain way, you know, th- this, this book is um, 
you know, it, when when you say it has no plot, I would I disagree with that in a way, like because it, it does have, uh, you know, kind of a, 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 a cascade of incident, right? right. And, it, and it moves very laterally between these right. between these things, and it and it moves very broadly. I mean, I, I almost feel like it, it has the sort of the, the the intellectual motion of a of an of an essay, right? Yet retains. You know, retains the, the the apparatus of fiction. You still have characters and right. No, it's situations. it's very much a novel. Yeah, it's just yeah, not a very course. good one. So, <laughs> but it but but it 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 covers a tremendous amount of ground. Right. right? I mean, yeah. you know, the, the San Francisco technology. Yes. Marvel Comics. Yes. You know. Yeah. Name it. You know, literary culture. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No. Right. I mean, In fact, you're not going to read from it, but I sort of feel no. like the trigger warning at the beginning. I just I just read this on the radio Did you? about an hour ago, yeah. two hours ago. Well, I'm going to read the trigger this book's trigger warning for you. Well, just, this just won't it, be embarrassing. It it. Trigger warning. Capitalism, the awful stench of men, historical anachronisms, death threats, violence, human bondage, faddish popular culture, despair, unrestrained mockery of the rich, threats of sexual violation, weak iterations of Epicurean thought, the comic book industry, the death of intellectualism, being a woman in a society that hates women, populism, an appalling double entendre, the sex life of Thomas Jefferson, genocide, celebrity, the objectivist philosophy of Ayn Rand, discussions of race, science fiction, anarchism with a weakness for democracy, the people who go to California to die, millennial posture, 276 pages of mansplaining neo-Hellenic paganism, interracial marriage, elaborately named hippies practicing animal cruelty on goats, unjust wars in the Middle East, 9-11, seeing the Facebook profile of someone you knew when you were young and believed that everyone would lead rewarding lives. That's actually a reasonable map of the novel in some ways. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's true. <laughs> that's true. All that's... of those things really do get examined, yeah. um, and not only those things. Right. Um, but, you know, you... You, you know, one thing that, of course, keeps coming up is is that the devices we use to produce novels are themselves produced under appalling conditions. Right. And so, you know, is it really possible to do something socially valid if you're using, you know, phones that have, right. you know, yeah. required, you know, Chinese underage right. labor and Congolese right. slaves to make it happen, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I had this... I mean, I had this moment before I started writing the book where I just got so fucking sick of everyone online because it was just endless morality lectures about everything and people being destroyed, and most of them were women who were being mm -hmm. attacked mm -hmm. um, because women get way more shit online than men could ever possibly get. Right. Um, and I just, I just was so tired of seeing people like the 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 one that real. I actually I won't say that because I don't want to get into it. But uh, someone I know very incidentally got in the middle of this huge scandal where she was just being destroyed on Twitter, and she, you know, she was not very good at responding to it, which just made it worse. Um, but it, it was this really strange thing where what her original error was was that she had misspelled something uh -huh. and that, that had really sort of cascaded into this horror show. And while I was sort of looking at all of this stuff, I was just like, you know, everyone's typing this into machines that were built by slaves. Right. Like all of these computers, all of these cell phones have done enormous human and environmental damage. And right. you've got people working for, you know, 30 cents an hour building them. And it just seemed like the, the hypocrisy of this idea that 
these networks by which now morality was going to be inflicted on us by the loudest people were also being, you know, where we're, everything was happening on these devices that were sort of, from a certain perspective, an unmitigated evil. Um, and then, while I was while I was going forward with the book, I was like, well, that, but that's every novel too, because right. you can't get a novel published now without a computer being involved in some way. Right. And that's, that's a huge change from even 30 years ago. Right. You know, like even people who are writing on, by hand, like James Elroy writes by hand. Right. But someone's got to typeset that, you know, and the, someone's got to turn that into a PDF and someone's got to do that. And I mean, it may be that this doesn't really mean anything, but I do think it's really significant that we just don't talk about it. That right. we don't talk about the fact that all of these books and all of this just moralizing, just endless moralizing comes through devices that have really, really questionable origin points. Um, you know, and thinking about that and thinking about since, since you began that last little discursion by the things that you were sick of, you know, I, I read this book and, and, and of course, before we met, I thought, and, and, and even before I had finished the book, I thought, I wonder what this guy likes, you know? And I was kind of delighted when you and I sat down to talk and it would, we, we wound up talking about our, our multiple enthusiasms, right? right? Walker, for, 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 for all kinds of, right. of shit, you know? And I thought, well, you know, and the, the book, this book certainly, um, it's way, way, way too funny, um, you know, on a line to line and, and page to page basis to ever feel like a complaint, um, and, and you don't. I don't know like, about that. Yeah, I, well, yeah, but, or I should say, to ever feel like it's only a complaint. I can. Um, all right, that's it, fine. it feels like yeah. it's being written um, uh, yeah. with a with a tremendous amount of energy. There's a lot of energy in the writing itself, and there's a right. lot of fun to be had in the in the reading of it. Um, maybe that's a cheap word for it, but you know, no, I'm good with fun. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I wanted one of the things too that I was thinking about when I was writing the book was getting back to this idea about literary fiction, I feel like literary fiction is really not that good anymore at addressing complex social issues. Right. Simultaneously, you can go to any shitty comedy club in L.A., right. and the worst stand-up comedian right. there will be addressing really complex social issues. Right. And it seemed, to, and so the, the, the reason why it's a funny book is because I'd been really thinking about stand-up and thinking about how weird it is that fiction has just sort of given up on addressing this stuff, whereas, you know, any asshole at, at the comedy <laughs> store can, can attempt to really deal with incredibly complex things. Now, the way they deal with them might be appalling, right. but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, you know, right. with it being problematic and complicated. Right. But it's just, it was just really interesting to me that it's just not there. Whereas in stand-up, you can go see the worst stand-up, and right. it'll, it'll, it'll be there. So I thought to try to, you know, it has a lot in common with stand-up, or having to hang out with a town drunk. <laughs> while he rails about, <clears throat> you know, while he rails about many, many subjects about which he knows almost nothing. Yeah, well, so. yeah, but maybe. But I think the drunk is also letting you letting you in on a little of his of his stash or something. You know, it's, right. it's, you don't. I didn't feel held hostage by this book. <laughs> yeah, but you can put it down. The, the town drunk is a little harder to escape. Right, but. 
Um, but uh, just circling back to those particular enthusiasms, because they were they were interesting to me. We talked about about Walker Percy, about Lancelot being a, a favorite novel of yours. We talked right. about um, the fact that you were about to write a book on on Old Dirty Bastard, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing I'm doing uh, the Old Dirty Bastards first album for the 33 and a third series that Bloomsbury is publishing, but. What that would be like, both in terms of a book and in terms of actually coming to fruition, is its is its own question. Because the editor just left. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so it's been thrown into the series has been thrown into a little bit of chaos. At least that's my reading of it. I've been uh-huh. getting a lot of emails of like everything's fine, everything's fine, but <laughs> I've yet to hear from the editor. So <laughs> how fine can it be? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, and I, I want to do that book if I actually if it happens i i think the deadline is august and then there's some hideous delay between when i turn in the manuscript and when it gets published right. so you know you'll have something to read in 2020 <laughs> or whatever it is um but no and so that will be a book that satisfies no one um <laughs> it's it's I one of the things that I did not when I was listening to that album was more or less when it came out um, I did not quite understand when I sent in the proposal because I'm in my own world um, just how weird his reception had been mm-hmm. um, and so like it's got to deal with that it's got to deal with black comedy before Richard Pryor in particular this guy Jimmy Lynch who's just the most offensive person that ever lived uh-huh. um, and I'm sure no one will be happy about that being brought into the, the light. enormous part of the yeah 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 so yeah but it's it's I'm working on it uh-huh. I'm, I'm working on it I'm in the research phase and it'll be I actually have to start writing it presuming it's not canceled tomorrow <laughs> which maybe it will be um, <laughs> said in a spirit of hope from the sound yeah. of it almost. <laughs> I, I kind of, do, I really don't want to do it. I, 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 I had this moment like um, back in May where I just was like, I just felt like I could not get anything published. I was just like, I've completely lost the ability to communicate with people. This is it. I'm over. I'm done. So my response to it was, well, I'm just going to send out a lot of pitches for really complex projects. <laughs> and the two, the two, the, 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 the two most complex, idea. A, the two most complex actually came back. So I actually have to write both books. What's the other one? Uh, I can't actually talk oh, about, yeah, the, yeah. about the other book. It's mm-hmm. um, it's actually it's a lot like 33 and a third. There's a press in L.A. called Boss Fight Books. Mm-hmm. And each uh, book in, that they publish is about an individual video game. Um, and my book is about... Oh well, fuck it. I don't care. It's it's going to be announced by the time this goes on. It's it's about this uh, this British video game called Soft and Cuddly, which literally no one has ever played, but had this had this whole um, huge media scandal around it that everyone's forgotten. And 
it's a, it's really it's so weird. It's really a way to write about Margaret Thatcher and neoliberalism uh-huh. uh, because all of the people who were denouncing the book in the press were Thatcherites, either who were working directly in her government or in support of her government, and all of them sort of ended up in really horrible places. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Jeffrey Archer was one of the people <laughs> who denounced it in the press, and then you know, while he was denouncing it in the press, he was winning a lawsuit, a libel lawsuit against the Daily Mail because they had said that he'd had sex with a teenage prostitute, uh, which he had. And so it all came out later, and then he ended up in jail. And <laughs> so it's, a, it's like this very strange book, and, I, and it was uh, the game, and like the game was done by this guy who, at the time that he published his first game, which was called Go to Hell, uh, he was fif- he was fifteen, and then when Soft and Cuddly came out, he was seventeen. So he's like this little bit, a little bit of a computer genius. But, right. And then his persona in the press was incredibly maladjusted. Right. Um, and so he's writing letters to the gaming press about how he knew a new sort of, like how he had discovered a new kind of love and knew a new kind of morality and all of this weird shit. So I found him, which was which was quite hard. Um, <laughs> and then he sort of cooperated and then he got really freaked out because I think he realized someone's actually going to do a book about this and it's going to be the only thing anyone really writes about me. Right. So he stopped cooperating. But <laughs> um, so. I, you know, just 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 hearing you talk about that and and talk about the ODB book right. makes me it makes me realize that you know that you do seem to em- employ a kind of also sort of a Trojan horse uh, strategy, you know, right? You 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 ostensibly pick up one subject and then use it to vault into other deeper yeah, but wellsprings of concern. That, that's because something's wrong with me. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't actually stay on topic. Well, it's, it, it's, it's like impossible. It, well, it, that's fine. I mean, right. that's, that's, that's a viable novelistic, you know, Tr- right. Tristram Shandy. The novel's been doing that since Tristram Shandy. And, and I would argue that, you know, that, that this book, you know, right. just because it's, it's full of divagations does not, you know, does, does not make it. It just means it belongs to a different tradition than, than right. you know. No, but I've, I've had people, a friend of mine, actually, this Danish writer, Dorte Norris, and I did this discussion, which just went up on some website, Electric Lit. Oh, Electric Literature, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's been so many things that it's hard to keep track of it. But in the middle of the in the middle of the discussion, she's like, "No, I really like this book because it sounds like how you sound in person." Uh-huh. And I had never actually considered that before. <laughs> but now it seems quite true. It's just hard to stay on topic. Uh-huh. So. You know, I, I mean, it's 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 one of these things where if you do have a problem, you should you should dive into it and try to turn it into something you can actually right. use. Right. But I, I would also note that this book, among other things, evokes San Francisco oh, yeah. better than any novel I have ever read, and and evokes the the the, the, the horrible aspects of it certainly. <laughs> There are good ones. Yeah, well, I don't know. You you said to me, my my heart is in San Francisco, that's but true. my what did you say? My mind is in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it's that's true. You sent me a fantastic. I, I was shocked to discover that 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 you even lived here. You know, I, I read this <laughs> book and it's very sort of saturated with you know San Francisco geography and San Francisco you know tech culture and the sort of wars between you know like landlords and you know. Right, cheap millionaires, and and uh, 
And, um, you know, and, and when I discovered you lived here, I was startled. And then you sent me that kind of beautiful essay that you wrote where you, you were talking about when you had first moved here. And oh, right. Yeah. What was that? There's a great line in it about how you, your feeling about Los Angeles was that you, you hated every minute of it and loved every hour. Yeah, um, that's about right. Which is really, and, and I think that, you know, that's... Well, when, a, when I first lived here, because I, right. I lived here for four years, and then I moved to San Francisco, and I was there for four years, and then I came back two years ago. When I first lived here, I didn't know anyone. It was great. The only person that I knew was Kenneth Anger. <laughs> and so, and did you call him up? What did you? No, because you, know? you didn't have a phone, so yeah. you'd have to like you literally would have to pass notes and be uh-huh. like, uh, you'd go I'd, like you'd leave a note outside of his door and be like, meet me at Musso and Frank tomorrow at 12 p.m. or or actual letters depending on. Uh-huh. But I didn't know anyone. I did not know anyone, and I wasn't doing anything. And it was this really amazing time that was incredibly unpleasant. But in retrospect, it's how I figured out how to write, mm-hmm. because I just, I didn't, I didn't know anyone. I wasn't doing anything. I, didn't, I, would, I literally could go, like, two months without talking to anyone. <laughs> but you walked out of, you left San Francisco and came here, and you had, and you had been working in tech. No, I had been working yeah. in tech in New yeah. York. Oh, in New York, And then right. I came to L.A., right. and then... Promptly obliterated several overlapping social scenes. Uh-huh. So it's like I, I thought I was coming out. Like, yeah, I've got a lot of friends. I've got a lot of friends. And then, like within eight months, I had no friends. Uh-huh. And um, so it, 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 I lost my train of thought. Um, but oh no! So like, but being here was really great because it was like, well, I don't know anyone, so I can just write and I can just write and figure out how to write. And the writing became very idiosyncratic because I didn't there was it's like I didn't have any writers around me so there wasn't right. a like oh I'm showing you my work right and then there there was sort of at a point it became like well this seems like it's a book how do I get that published and you know some of it worked and some of it didn't right. and and then you just sort of learned oh okay this is how how you do this. This is how you... I mean, for me, I think writing has been this process of figuring out how to take all the pre-existing weird and package it in such a way that everyone else can understand it. Uh-huh. And what, that, do you, what do you mean by the pre-existing I'm weird? A very strange person. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a strange person. I, it's just, it's, and so I think all of the stuff that people have responded to very nicely in the work now had always been there. Mm-hmm. I just had no idea about how to communicate that right. over over to, to people. And then I just sort of slowly figured it out, which is not usually what happens when you're living alone in a right. shack in little Armenia. <laughs> but um, it happened. And so now it's, now it's been very strange to come back because when I came back... I kind of I know I know a lot of people which I had met through writing uh-huh. and just being in San Francisco and there's such a, a, a passage of people right you know and some of some of the real people from you know Kevin Killian there right. are actual San Francisco right. writers and right. people who who appear in these pages. yeah yeah Kevin has been extraordinarily right. nice to me right. and and his wife Dodie has also been. Dodie Bellamy, yeah, to both amazing writers. Yeah, and they're yeah. both really phenomenal writers who do not have the reputation that they should have. Like they they should be considered major American writers of the last I don't know thirty years, forty years. Um, but I can talk about how horrible San Francisco is. I feel like that's where you were. Where you were? <laughs> no, no, it's 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 not actually. Okay. But I, but I will say that you're you're. 
your uh, antisocial tendencies and your self-sabotaging ones are make you you're a born novelist, man. Right. You, you really are. I, well, they're gone now. That's the worst thing. They're they're completely like they're obliterated. Whatever happened from, <laughs> by the process of publication, it just sort of turned me into. I don't know, everything I probably would have hated right. six years ago. Right. But that's all right. You know? um, I'm going to ask you one more question, sure. and then, I'm gonna, then I think we'll open up the, okay. the floor, which is, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the City Lights, the, the, for, for those of you, this wonderful thing that I noticed floating around the Internet that we hate so much, a recording of your reading oh, at yes. City Lights recently, yes. where you were, you were initially heckled and then, you know, practically assaulted by a, a very angry audience member. Yes, who, a drunken beat and, and I couldn't quite believe it. You know, I started listening to this and I thought, surely this guy's a plant because he, he, he came at you, you know, and, and he was sort of saying, you know, um, well, the, the, you know, what do, what do you mean you hate the internet? Twitter is where the, where the, you know, the revolution is happening, man. He kept saying like exactly like that. He yeah. Said, you know. um, yeah, it's, it's on the website. You can, you can go find it. It's, yeah, um, it, it, I mean, and he really did sound like on the one hand, like a, like a, like a Bernie bro. Yeah, no, like I got, a, like I totally a, got Bernie bro. A, a, I mean, a tech utopianist, but he also had the diction and the speech patterns of like somebody straight out of like psych out or, you know, yeah. like some like sixties hate Ashbury he, movie he, for sure. I, any event I have ever done at city lights and I've done a few has always gone slightly haywire. Um, there's something about me that pisses off men who look like you, essentially. Yeah, like, men who look like me. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like middle, mid, no, and no offense, yeah. but like middle-aged white liberal men uh-huh. eventually get very irritated with me uh-huh. after a certain point. <laughs> so, so I'm a very patient person. You there. know, like the first, <laughs> the, f- the first event that I did was uh, for Otta, and this guy wrote this letter. Um, that he then circulated around to City Lights and to various websites, pretty much just denouncing me. And that was fine, because right. his letter right. was sort of stupid. For, for, for those of you who don't know, Ada is your previous book, ATTA, yes. and it is written from the point of view of Muhammad Atta. Right, um, yeah. Clearly a, a bid for popular interest and critical acclaim. That, that's that's how out of my mind I was. <laughs> that, that I really I really thought that would be the key to success. Although actually <laughs> although actually the book has had an astonishing Yeah, afterlife. we talked about that too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's really been picked up by academics, so it mm-hmm. sells a ridiculous amount um, <laughs> and keeps selling more each year. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, yeah, that guy denounced me and that was fun because his letter was sort of idiotic and just there were really easy ways to make fun of him. And, right. I, and so I wrote my letter back and then actually it was really weird. Speaking of Norman Miller, he then like sort of assaulted me, outside, not assaulted, but accosted me outside of a bar uh-huh. and started talking to me about Norman Miller. And really? it seemed like we were fine, and then he wrote some other thing. It, it, but anyway, it always goes bad at City Lights. It's, it's, it's North Beach. The, it's wonderful, and it's horrible simultaneously. So this was last week. Um, this guy, I was just saying something, and it wasn't especially offensive. It was just like, yeah, Twitter is awful, something like that. And this guy piped up from 
the back of the room, the, the exact back of the room. And, he, and at, for, at first started out sort of reasonably, where he's like, well, it depends how you look at it, man. And, <laughs> and, I, and I said, excuse me. And I think he thought I was being confrontational uh-huh. when I really wasn't. I just had no idea what was going on. Uh-huh. And so he then went on like about an 11 minute, 12 minute tirade um, and everything and using the word man as punctuation. It's yeah. just yeah. astonishing. So like if you listen to that, the first three minutes, I just sound confused you, yeah, you, because you, you, I, I can't believe that this person is real. I mean, he sounds like the beatniks from the Simpsons. Right. Um, yeah. Insisting that the, the thrust of it being insisting oh, that, your, right. that your criticism of, of, of Twitter and social media is, is invalid because... Yeah. Because uh, Bernie Sanders is going to win the, right, right, the election, right. or, or you know, the Arab Spring, or you know, oh yeah, you know, and then right. he starts talking about the Arab Spring, which right. ended really well. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, that really, that really, <laughs> that really bolsters the argument for Twitter as a revolutionary device, yeah. a uh, series of quasi-democratic revolutions that end in horrible oppression and bloodshed right that's 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 the future of revolution man yeah um but so it was really weird because he would not let me talk so i would try to say something back and get out three words and he just would screaming and then and then at a certain point i was like well let's just go with it this Mm -hmm. this is fine this is interesting um and so he's freaking out, then he's standing up and screaming at me, then someone else is standing up and screaming at him. They're about to get into a fist fight. <laughs> then, like, people are... Sc- You've never heard so many upset white people in a room because there's all of these people in the audience who are starting to get really, really uncomfortable, and they're, like, they're yelling, they're asking for... Uh, they're they're asking for Peter Maravellis, who's right. who's the events coordinator at City Lights, and who I have a good relationship with, to like get the cops and people are like, doesn't City Lights have any muscle? It's like, <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, it's City Lights. So finally, I just like I let it go about as long as I could, and then I was like, people are going to start leaving, right? So I just shut it down. Right. But I was very into it. I haven't been that happy in five years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really was like, this is the greatest thing that has happened to me as a writer because you know this is, this has been fine, but generally I tend to find I tend to find events really fucking boring, including my own, right. and and that was just like. Uh, that was just like that was the greatest thing ever. Right. And poor Kevin right. was like horrified. He was he was just stunned by right. what was happening. And I mean, if you're stunning Kevin Killian, you've, right. you've gone somewhere because right. a more debased man you will not you will not meet. Right. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting. So we're gonna do Q and A. Yeah, we do Q and A. Shall yeah, we? But, yeah. Questions in the form of questions, please. That's the only thing that I ask. <laughs> yeah, anybody? <laughs> you know, I, I was just going to say that I, I, even though, you know, I, I, I know you didn't want to read and you don't right. want to read because that's exactly the kind of, you know, ritual event that, that you find particularly boring. Right. But that last thing, that last little thing, the, the little... Um, your response to the last question of mine, if it even was a question, felt feels to me like 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 your book. You're right. It does. You do sound like it, and right. vice versa. Yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. that's how it 
works out <laughs> for better or worse. Like it, right right now, it's doing. It's it seems like it's okay. At some point, it will sour, and no one will be able to deal with it anymore because it'll just become an endless progression of of digressions uh-huh. from from one original thing. And you know, all writers go bad at some point. So right, all writers spoil. That's true. So. Yeah, but you haven't yet. So no, you're in luck. We've got a few more years. Yeah. Yeah. So, any questions? Anyone? Yes. Yeah. Um, when you designed the cover of the book or whatever, yes. did you design it particularly with people reading it like in coffee shops? Yes. Yeah. Um, the idea behind the, the design is because like, you could have this be a blank book right. and it would probably sell roughly the same right. because <laughs> everyone hates the internet um, but I'm really into this idea of books as totems where if you think about how people will carry a book around to signify something that they're, that a message that they're trying to send out about themselves um, and so with this design in particular it is a design that reproduces at any size so if you're seeing it at like a hundred pixels on a screen it's legible if you see the poster that's in the window from across Vermont you can still read it and you know it, 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 I feel validated in it because someone actually Hetty L. Colty from Semiotext sent me an email two nights ago of a picture of Brett Easton Ellis in bed reading the book from some French magazine right um, and that to me that was a very strange moment, but it also did seem like, well, this is this is this is confirmation, right? Like if someone can use it as an accessory in a photo shoot, and you can read the title, <laughs> then how, what what more can you ask for, really? Right. So, it's a good question. Somebody else? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Sister Soldier. Yes. The guy, she's the her first fiction is the coldest winter, the coldest winter ever. Um, that's really a phenomenal book. She's done sequels. I have not had the heart to read them because I I tend to find sequels a little problematic. And also, she waited a really long time between doing that and I think the book after that is Midnight, which is about. An, it's a, but she yeah she waited about eight or nine years, which I think is not necessarily, doesn't necessarily augur well. And so I like that book to me, The Coldest Winter Ever is such a perfect book that I just, I don't want anything to spoil it. So I'm like, well, people can buy it and read it. But no, that, that book is really, there was a moment in New York um, in 2000 or 2001 where you would just see teenage girls on the subway and they were all reading it and that's how I found out about it I just kept seeing it on the 6th train and I was like well I, you know I'll read this and it turned out to be amazing <laughs> it's great when that happens Dustin do you think people are inherently awful and the internet amplifies that or if there's something to the internet as a platform to be in that I, I think I think it's the latter. I mean, I think the way that these platforms are designed is to encourage people's worst behavior, um, and that that's how you make the most money, right? By inflaming 
passions, and then people will, you know, people will come back to fight with each other. And some of it is accidental. Some of it in the early days, I think, was probably just accidental design. Now I think that's the design. Like, that's the function of comments on news articles is to just... Yeah. I, I, I think you're probably... You know, I, I always think about that that aspect of the Internet as also having to do with its its isolation and the appearance of, of people being... You know, the, the idea that people are both nearer and further than right. you think they are. It's, it's a little bit like, the you know, when most of us in L.A. have know the experience of being in our car and shouting something at another driver <laughs> that we would never actually say to, to them if if, right. if we were not um, insulated, right? And I think the insulation of the internet provides this kind of like uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I invitation. Think, I, I think know, there's also the almost qu- an imperative. It's right. more than an invitation. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's also the question, and I and I don't think there's really an answer to it, which is how much of it is adults and how much of the worst behavior are just kids and it's like if you're a teenager there's nothing greater than being a huge dick on the internet <laughs> i mean and that's not really a criticism of being of the teenagers because it's insane that we live in a society that actually would pay that much attention to teenagers like <laughs> no one should have paid attention to me when i was a kid on the internet and god knows i've been horrible on the internet um just but it's it's a really weird thing where it's like suddenly we live in this world where a bunch of teenagers can have a lot of influence on the way that the media is is functioning and that's really weird it's not even necessarily a bad thing it's just a very strange thing unfortunately people get destroyed by it which is really where it does end up being terrible just truly terrible right and i mean i think i think for all of the joking of the book in, in the book and for all of the making fun of this stuff, it is true that a lot of what comes out of the internet is just a kind of uh, just a kind of practice of destruction of right. individuals right and that seems fairly appalling, although if I was fifteen, it might seem really appealing you know <laughs> so it's it 's a strange it 's a strange thing it 's a really really strange thing yeah. That was a great question, by the way. Anybody else? Yeah. In weaving social issues into your writing, do you find um, you have a particular approach uh, for dealing with issues that don't direct, directly affect you? The issues of I mean, I'm not sure they don't directly affect me. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who is in this room who isn't directly affected by issues of race or, or feminism. So, I mean, you just write about it like you write about everything else and, and try to figure out some way to do it that doesn't sound stupid. Yeah. Do you, uh, <laughs> I think it's harder not to sound stupid about those things than, than, you, know, than, than you think sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean... Not to feel stupid about them or not to feel somehow as if, as if you know, one... one, one you know, they, that is the place where I think language is, is at its most no, difficult I mean, I and volatile. I, and and, and it's, a, it's, yeah, a, it's think, a very good question, I, I think. think. I think one of the things that's so problematic about the current moment is that there are incredibly complex social issues that people are trying to deal with with a language that is just not particularly adequate to right. dealing with it. Right. You know, and that becomes a huge problem. Right. But 
I do sort of think what we should do is we should assume that everyone until they they demonstrate that they're not are acting in good faith right and i don't think that the internet is very good yeah, about yeah. believing that people are acting in good faith right you know on the contrary so, i think the, yeah. the internet is very quick to, to charge people yeah. with bad faith yeah and i i think mm-hmm. most people are just trying to figure it out i mean they might be awkward about it but right just just trying to keep on keeping on you know <laughs> right that's good. That's a generous. So I mean, I, I think a lot of the I think a lot of the dialogue around it is so crazy because it's like, does it really matter? Do the really offensive opinions matter of someone who has no no social power, who has no political power? The answer is probably not. But it's really really hard to have a conversation about the people who are making money off of all of this, which is, you know, Google is a really good example. Like, every horrible thing that you've heard about in the last, oh, 10 years, 15 years, Google's made money off of it. They've made money off of it. And there's never really a conversation about what that means and how, you know, why they're doing it. And I I think, excuse me, I, I think that... A lot of that is is because they're headquartered in the Bay Area. Actually, right. I think there's something about the Bay Area which is really, really good at deflecting blame and mm-hmm. and and pushing it onto people who really probably don't deserve it. Right. Well, there's a there's a you know history of of social activism that can easily be co-opted and right. you know turned into it right that what's the the Google's motto don't be evil right I think is, they've dropped know, that I yeah no I'm, yeah. Sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure they have dropped it but I it's, think, you know, I don't know if but, they're still they're but we still but we really that. but we really should have known what that meant right. at the beginning. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, again, I think they probably meant it at the beginning, and right. then it's really, really hard to be <laughs> in control of that and not just veer into evil. Turns out it's hard not to be evil. Who knew? Um, <laughs> other questions? Anybody? Yeah. Um, do you, in thinking about the function of the Internet in our lives in what in what sense like the do that are you asking if these companies are going to go away or if yeah, right society as a whole oh not in, i think not until something like capitalism falls apart completely, which, you know, seems unimaginable in one way and totally imaginable in another. But I think I think none of this will go away. I think it probably will get worse. More for, I don't know, maybe for a while. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I don't. I, I, not to be grim about it, yeah. but I do. But oh. I do think. <laughs> but but I do. I do sort of think like it's you know some of the companies will go away, but there'll always be something that springs up to replace them because right. it's profitable for a lot of people to continue funding right. these companies. Right. But yeah. it will be right. Yeah. Everything will get cheaper and easier. Right. And, and, and people will be and more better desperate. and worse. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, that seems about right, at least yeah. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. 
How's that for a pronouncement? It's <laughs> way more oracular than I thought we were going to get up Cheaper here. and worse. <laughs> I think that's, that's, maybe that's the sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Anything? All right. All right. Okay. Um, Thank you for doing that. Yeah, of course. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.